Welcome to the Faculty Podcast. This is Tommy Keene, Professor of New Testament here at RTS Washington. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be posting some special episodes in our Faculty Shorts series. Uh, For those who don't know or don't remember, these are bite-sized, one-topic interviews with scholars, professors, church leaders, uh, a bit more than an appetizer, but a bit less than a full meal and perfect for a quick mental boost, perhaps on your commute or uh, for your listening pleasure. We had the opportunity to interview several colleagues and friends recently at the academic conferences in November. Wanted to share them with you alongside our regular programming. Hope you enjoy. As always, there's extra links in the show notes, including relevant books, links for leaving feedback and questions, and of course, one for donating to RTS Washington. friend Tim Bertolatch. We overlapped at uh, Westminster Seminary in the MDiv, MAR. You did an MAR? I was doing the MAR. Days, and uh, and then we lost touch, and then we became Twitter friends. And now we're here in a very noisy lobby of uh, ETS, SBL, IBR, all of the conferences. Um, Tim, tell everybody what uh, you do, what you're working on. Yes, so uh, I did my PhD in Hebrews and uh, I was doing in pastoral ministry at the time. Uh, and now I'm working for ABWE, the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, uh, doing a little bit of training our, our missionaries. But then the, the second major thing I work with is our international theological educators. So, so people that are teaching all around the world at, at all kinds of different levels, uh, formal, non-formal, uh, and just a lot of work to train uh, pastors in yeah. the majority world. Given them that theological training that they need to do the work. Of yeah, missions. both both uh, theological training, pastoral training. Yeah. Uh, for our own missionaries, there's a lot of you know contextualization yeah. issues. How do you do that faithfully? Uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. Great, great. And you, I think just now a book came out on Hebrews by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to put that in the most awkward way possible. Uh, on um, like Adamic Christology in Hebrews. Now, as a reader of Hebrews, I, I have noticed that the word Adam does not occur in the book. So, well, you're just not looking at the right manuscripts. Okay. Apparently. Okay. You know, you, use the ones that I use. All right. All no, right. you're you're right. Um, so it is it is my dissertation. Uh, it is shortened just a little bit, but hopefully that makes it a little bit better because yeah. you know how dissertations yeah. uh, work. Um, and, and I'm trying to trying to do a couple things in it. Uh, my, my original goal was to start out writing about the Ascension uh, and then realizing like David Moffat had dealt yep. with some of those issues. Yep. Uh, a guy by the name of Felix Cortez, his dissertation wasn't published at the time, but it's published now. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, they, they beat me to some of that stuff. Yeah. And um, But what I kind of found was there's still this debate going on about Christology in Hebrews. Is it high? Is it low? You have the high Christology, Richard Bauckham. You have kind of the the human Christology by like the the GB cards and uh, some even arguing that that Hebrews 1 doesn't even have a high Christology. It's just all about exaltation. So so I'm trying to do a couple things with this one. uh, Solve a little bit of that, bring that together. Like Hebrews doesn't have any problems going in a sense going back and forth between this he's a divine he's human those kinds of things but i'm also really trying to draw out 
the use of Psalm 8 in, mm -hmm. in the book and say mm -hmm. that, yeah, Adam isn't mentioned by name, but, but really what are, what are the features of an Adamic Christology? Right. It's, it's this representing of, of true humanity. It's uh, the head of the new humanity, a solidarity type, type issue. So it's not about whether or not Adam is used. It's, it's really about whether uh, the concept is there. And this whole idea then of Jesus being uh, the pioneer up into heaven, ascending mm -hmm. up into heaven. Uh, my argument is it's it's grounded primarily in Adamic obedience. Yeah. So it's this idea of what, what does what does man what's required of man? What does man need to do? And and you see, there's a, there's a number of studies that talk about how Hebrews emphasizes the faithfulness of Christ and the faithfulness of the servants. And I and I I try to pull some of these things together. And, and really say, like, in the Old Testament, sonship isn't just divine. Sonship is what Adam was. It's what right. Israel was in, in Exodus 4.22. It's, it's what David uh, was, like in the Psalm 2 and, and some of these other places. Yeah. And, and so they had this filial relationship with God. And, and I go back to the old Sunday school song, you know, what, what are we to do? Trust and obey. Like, mm. like that really is the call of what it means to, to follow uh, Torah, to walk in, in covenant sonship relationship with God. And so the argument basically is for Christ to become the eschatological man who goes into heaven, he doesn't just need to pay for sins he needs to take humanity to that eschatological end. Yeah. So it's very, it's very Vossian in yeah, its reading. Yeah, I was you can, thinking about that. You can see hints of, of kind of classical reform theology, but, but don't tell the New Testament studies guys that, <laughs> that I, that I kind of, that was yeah, behind my thinking. We'll keep that on. Um, but, but yeah, it, 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 so it's this idea that, that for him to go into heaven in this glorified state, he first has to go through and become the glorified man. And, you know, in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff, there's this idea of the suffering person inherits the glory of Adam. And I, we, you know, weave some of that in and look at Hebrews 5, 7 and this this cry of loud tears and say, like, yeah. this yeah. is a motif in the Psalms that the Davidic figure, yeah. this is how he expresses trust. And, and so you have this son who, it, although he was a son, although he was the divine son, he learned obedience. So what is that obedience? It's the Adamic human Davidic yeah. obedience right. and then this perfection. I, I follow Silva and others who say that's that's glorification. So the Voss that you mentioned, is that is, is the idea there that kind of like classic, a uh, little bit cryptic, a little bit technical, but nevertheless, I think helpful description of like protol uh, eschatology perceived yeah. protology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that really is influencing my thinking there. That would there was you, this. Did you go to like Hebrews 2 for that or? Where do you demonstrate that in Hebrews? Yeah, I, I don't know that in my thesis I put it exactly that way, but it's like one of those thoughts that's always in my right. thinking. I, I do think, um, I do think it comes out in Hebrews too. I do think it comes out with this idea that he had to be made for a little while lower than mm -hmm. the angels, and so there's something going on there in the incarnation. Uh, lower than the angels, I think, is not just a category of humanity in it in its fallenness because obviously christ doesn't right. take up the fallenness I, I think it's this status with which man's created uh in in the garden essentially like like 
to, to me, now, now I'm really reading through biblical theology, but but Adam in the garden isn't the final hope again. Like like the, the purpose of of redemption isn't just to reset things and go back to the garden. The, the purpose is to take us to that glorified yeah. state. So you have this you have this interesting dynamic with what does perfection mean in Hebrews? And it's something that Christ didn't have initially in the incarnation, right. but he would have had after he, he does these things. Perfect. Right. And and so I, I think, and, and this gets us you know into soteriology and how we often think about it uh, to some extent wrongly, is we, we think that all that Christ is doing in soteriology is is paying for sins and redeeming and erasing. And, and when I'm preaching, I often use the analogy of like, oh, we think God just gave us a mulligan. He wiped the slate clean. I mean, that that is certainly true that the wrath of God is paid for and, and it's exhausted and 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 we are now the new creation. But but then what Christ does is he becomes the first person mm. of the new humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and we can track that through the Pauline language. But I, but I think Hebrews is really drawing attention to that to say, He's ascending up into heaven as the glorified person. And of course, it, it displays his divine Christology there in the ascension. But there's so much going on in that, that he's the human that sits down at the right hand of the Father yeah. in, in a glorified body, which, again, it, it moves us beyond what Adam was pre-fall in, right. in the garden. So, I yeah, it's in I'm, Hebrews too, but it's in some other places. I'm, t- I'm totally with you. And d- is there a way to integrate? I'm curious because I'm all in on the Adamic Christology bit. Is there a way to in- integrate that divine Christology? I mean, you mentioned he kind of goes back and forth and I'm thinking about even in the first several verses, yeah. the son upholds the world by the word yeah. of his power. And then he's made son. Yeah. When he receives a name, yeah. you know, so you've got kind of both the high and the low yeah. in just a couple of verses. How, how do we get those two together? Well, you know, we just go to Chalcedon. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think that's a really good question. And, I, and it's funny, the stuff that we struggle with that Hebrews doesn't struggle with. Like for him, I think it's just a natural part of his argument that sonship is around these two poles. You have this Davidic and he's fulfilling the, this human aspects of sonship and then you have this but he's the son from from all eternity past yeah and so so Voss has his his really good you know philosophy of revelation diagram where you have the the original eternal and then the the old testament revealed some things in shadows mm-hmm. and then it comes to a climax in the eschaton and, right. and i think you can say that of sonship so you have the the eternal son who was always there adam israel david is this this shadow yeah, typological, of sun, right, typological yeah. sonship. And Christ then uh, takes on fulfilling the typology, yeah. but the typology is revelatory. And, and this is what I don't think we, is, is wrestled enough with. What does it mean that he speaks in son? Like, like I, I spend a little bit of time with those four and Arthur's uses of sonship in hmm. Hebrews to argue that there is this divine sonship that is being revealed. So, so in the ascension, the true man who's now been crowned in glory, what does this actually reveal as we look back yeah. at it? It reveals the son who was for all eternity past, the radiance of God's, yeah. of God's glory. Yeah. So, so I do try to show that they're, they're inter, interlinked in, in a lot of ways. And, and Hebrews just, 
I, I actually kind of, when I was writing it, had to just say like in an early chapter, hey, sometimes I'm going to capitalize sun when I'm yeah. referring to the divine. Yeah. And sometimes I'm going to keep it lowercase when I'm trying to refer to this Davidic. But yeah. it's, it's really just a, a teaching tool to say Hebrews doesn't have that problem. Right. He's just the sun. Right. But as the sun eternal, he also picks up and fulfills the the humanly creaturely sonship that God put in his revelation. And I think I think it's obviously part of the plan of God so that we would actually know we would be able to understand something about the Godhead that is so far above us. That's great. I love it. Looking forward to reading the book. Uh, I think we should normalize not asking Hebrew scholars who wrote Hebrews. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you. Amen. Okay, right? good. And we're good. just going to end it there. Thank you. With a cliffhanger. All right. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> good to have you. Yeah. <laughs>